the keys are to the glory days at the stick. From who's got it better than us to brick by brick. It's always the 49ers way from off season to game day. Yeah, we talk back. It's the 49ers cup back. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Welcome to the show. It's time to talk about the 49ers defensive depth chart and give a full breakdown of what it looks like, who's positioned where, who's more likely to make this team uh, going into training camp. And this is one of those fun conversations because we know we have a lot of good players, especially along the defensive line. True. But how are they slotted as we go into camp and who needs to make some moves to be able to make the roster? Um, it's going to be tough, man. It's going to be tough because across the board, especially on that D line, and it is deep. It is, it is, there's depth of plenty. And uh, the Niners love themselves some D line, which means uh, maybe some other guys in some really tough positions. And if you ask ESPN, there's some guys who are on there who are never going to see the field ever in a San Francisco 49 uniform. But it's a okay. Hit the like button right now if you haven't already. Subscribe if you've. Uh, Failed to do so, and in which in that case, if you've been watching us for some time now, I don't know what you're doing. You keep coming back, you might as well hit that subscribe button and that notification bell. That way you don't miss any more of these conversations. And but let's start with this uh defensive depth chart, and let's specifically start with the interior on the D-line ant, because it starts with the meat in the middle. That's that's where the one of the keys is. Obviously, the speed off the edge is nice, but that meat in the middle. Um, I think everyone can feel very comfortable knowing you got Armstead and Kinlaw that are yep. the most likely to. Now, barring Javon Kinlaw not being healthy, then we could see a shift here. Uh, obviously, we feel very good about Hurst. We feel very good about Hassan Ridgeway. And then things get a little shaky in terms of what that interior D-line is going to look like. And is a guy like Kevin Givens on the bubble? Yeah, I think Kevin Givens and Maurice Hurst are kind of in a battle because it all depends on what the 49ers plan to do on the edge. I think we'll ultimately decide what happens on the interior. You're right about Armstead. You're right about Kinlaw. They are going to be one and two going in. Of course, one at the nose tackle and one at the defensive tackle spot. They're the number one guys on the depth chart. I think that is the easy part. I think once you get past that, that's where it starts to get difficult. I think Hassan Ridgeway is the number two nose tackle on this football team. I think he slides in nice. We'll have a good chance to make this team. I would actually be surprised if he didn't make the team but after that is where the questions start we've did our video already you know the position battle of kevin Givens versus maurice hurst that's a huge battle and you would think on you know face value looking at it that it's just for playing time but what it actually is is to see who's going to make this roster because there's potential the 49ers could decide to slide in a carry Hyder, hoping that they're going to be able to use him on non-base downs to get after the quarterback and if you do that would that make one of them susceptible to being released it could, and all the while you have a player like Kalia Davis, who they drafted, who's not healthy as of right now, but if he did show up the training camp healthy and they decided not to keep him on that pup list, he could come in there and cause some problems and they wouldn't want to let go of him early, so he could start making a, a stink in who makes this roster and how this depth chart's playing out. Very much is the case, Anton. I'll get to a little bit of Kalia Davis here in a second uh, because I do enjoy li- I, I do enjoy talking about Kalia Davis because he's one of my favorite draft picks of this entire draft. Uh, that being said, uh, yes, Kinlaw, Armstead, solidified one and two. You know what you got there. Um, the rest of it is up in, up in the air for grabs. Now, I feel good about what Maurice Hurst could do. It's all about health with him, and can he be healthy and can he stay healthy? I've seen what Kevin Givens can do, and 
Like, I think you went out and spent the money on Hassan Ridgeway because you liked what he could add to the rotation. But the question just becomes, how many of these interior guys do you end up keeping? Do you only keep four and roll with seven, potentially, in the defensive end side, especially when there's guys in that defensive edge group that don't necessarily have the speed aspect, and they don't add the speed dynamic, and might be those guys who transition and translate better to an interior rushing or rush situation or interior pass rushing down as guys who can come in, come in and get after the quarterback with their speed. Um, they don't have the speed necessarily set the edge or be explosive off the edge, but they do enough that they could be on the interior and cause problems. I mean, Eric Armstead was that for a long time for San Francisco, a guy who played on base downs on the outside and then would slide in on the interior on, on pass rushing downs. And now he's just inside permanently. Uh, another one of these DNs very well could fall into that category, whether it's a guy like Drake Jackson, Samson Ebicom. We've talked about this, right? Uh, we've talked about... Uh, it, it, out there also in space with these guys, Kerry Hyder, who you've brought up. There's the Jordan Willis is the world who we've seen had success on the inside on special teams, blocking a punt. And yeah. so yes, it is always a possibility that one of those, that one of those guys could slide in. And that may be the direction the 49ers are taking now or D interior defensive linemen and seven on the perimeter. Yeah, it could be. I mean, it could be an expansion, you know, of that yeah. Arden key role. And it's funny. It got coined more of an Arden key role, you know, recently, when in fact you're right, Eric Armstead has been doing this since Chris Casera got to San Francisco. True. As soon as he came in, Armstead was playing base downs out on the edge and then moving inside for pass rush situations, and that was really good for his skill set. Last year, they did the same exact thing with uh, uh, just went Arden Key. I'm oh, sorry, there I almost went blank on Arden. Boy, Key. we just brought up the Arden Key role, yeah, right? Then we talked about Casera and Armstead, and now it's back to Key. Now we're back to Key, and I think that was actually the role they had envisioned for Kerry Hyder when he came in 2020. Fair. I think he was going to play that role, so they're always looking for it. But now that they've had so much success with it, could they actually go ahead and grow that position a little bit more? Maybe have more guys be a part of that rotation. So in that case, you'd be right. You know, and we kind of mentioned this a little bit when we were talking about Givens and Hurst is the possibility that they go with more edge rushers, and they could. It could be seven edge rushers, eight edge rushers. And those guys just have the ability to go inside and play, especially on obviously obvious pass downs, but it also during rundowns as well. I mean, could we see a carry hider on a first and second down lineup at defensive tackle? The way the NFL is trending, uh, anytime you're in a nickel situation, those happen. Those are now 70% of the time. So you can go with a smaller defensive end inside playing defensive tackle if that's how teams are going to play offense. Look, I think the reality with with all of this is that Kisarek has, has continually pushed the bounds of what this D-line group can do. Agreed. Um, and, and we've seen... We've seen teams do you know outrageous things, NASCAR packages with the Giants and Super Bowls oh, and yeah. things like that, and we may be seeing the next evolution, which is you know the big strong defensive lineman and that can get off and get a quick first step. That is still extremely important in the NFL. It always will be. Being having a guy who can just eat up blocks is great, but if you can have a guy who gets off the ball and destroys double teams at the point of attack before they're even able to initiate contact, that's some big problems, and it it helps actually out your run fits defensively a lot. Is you have a guy who's killing and destroying blockers and not allowing them to get clean looks to second level or even clean looks at the first level, which blows up running lanes, blow, blows up timing with, with quarterbacks, running backs, pulling guards and things of that nature. So I, I think this is definitely something they want to test. Uh, and I won't be surprised if we potentially see some downs this year where maybe you got Ken and Armstead off the field and you got four speed guys out there in space. That wouldn't surprise me. And this is a defense that's and defensive line that's predicated on pressure, you know, get, getting a inside penetrating and making things happen. So it's not predicated on having a big physical guy at the point of attack. And in fact, 
besides Kinlaw, none of them really are, right? They're all, Accurate. you know, at the 300 to 315 pound range, even on the interior, which a lot of people think aren't big enough to play nose tackle. But this isn't your traditional defensive line lineup. The way Casera goes about is completely different. And I think we might see the evolution like you're talking about even further along those lines. It's going to be something to watch and monitor. And if it has success, watch for it to trend across the NFL as, you know, these teams go to more of a spread. They get more athletic quarterbacks. Everything is trending that direction with speed. Why not along the defensive line as well? Uh, it would make sense. And speed, 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 speed. And with all the speed coming at some point, there will be a shift sometime down the line and in which you have a combination of speed and power where speed won't be the priority anymore because everyone's a little bit faster. But as of right now, the, the trend is speed. And speaking of speed, you got to talk about the edge rushers because in that edge rushing category, and there is a lot of speed, whether that's Nick Bosa, or whether that's Samson Ebicom, Kamoko, Ture, Charles Aminahue, Jordan Willis, all pretty speedy guys. Then you add into that group, Drake Jackson, you add into that group, well, welcoming back in theory, Kerry Hyder as well. That's already a stacked group, and there's still questions around what D Ford actually is. And if you ask ESPN, he's the starting defensive end <laughs> opposite of Nick Bosa. Well, that's probably not going to be the case. There is the D Ford situation floating out there. Uh, that is a lot of talent in one room, man. Uh, it's it's a ton. I mean, really, when it comes down to it, who's going to get cut? Every single one of these guys, you know, could easily make most NFL team and NFL rosters, and they're going to all be competing to see who's the best and able to make this team. I think the 49ers are going to agonize over this decision. You know, I think when you're when you're looking at it, I think Ebucom has to be the number one guy opposite of Bosa. Of course, Bosa's number one overall. And then I think after that, it's Ebucom. And then as you go down, I know a lot of people want to put Drake Jackson as that second guy, but I don't see it that way. I think it's going to be Charles Aminahue or Kamoko Ture. I think those are the guys that are going to do it next. With I mean, Aminahue's got the ability to play inside and outside as well. That's a guy that's tremendously good. Uh, Ture's going to add that speed aspect off the edge, so he's going to be up there. But we've seen a guy like Jordan Willis and Kerry Hyder have success for the 49ers. Kerry Hyder, of course, you know, having over nine sacks playing for the Niners in 2020, you can't discount what he's able to do. A little bit different way of handling it from those two guys. They're not really built on speed about getting that pressure off the outside, but they can collapse the pocket from the outside. So it's a little bit different way of handling it. But I think those guys would kind of be the next ones on the on the list. And we don't know what's going to happen with Drake Jackson. I think he's a specialized pass rusher. I don't know how you feel about it this year. And then D Ford, I have absolutely no clue. I don't know. I thought they were going to release him. He's still on the roster. He's still part of us, as John Lynch would say about Jimmy Garoppolo. Is he going to be part of us when we get to training camp? I don't know. One of us. <laughs> One of us. Look, I would love D4 to be healthy. I'm not going to put any egg, literally zero eggs in the D4 basket. None. You can't. You can't put any eggs in that basket. We put some in there last year because there was a lot of positive things. And at the start of the year, it looked like some of those eggs were going to pay some nice dividends. Yeah, it paid off with three sacks. It was, it was solid. Early, early, it was good. It was great. It was a great return on investment early. And then all investment ceased ceased to exist after that. Yeah. Um, so you can't. You can't put any 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 stock in that in that uh, in the D Ford camp. You just can't do it right now. I still wish D Ford the best. I hope he gets healthy and I hope he's able to contribute. I don't expect that to be the case. I don't even expect him to be in San Francisco by the time we get to week one of the regular season. That being said, Drake Jackson is not number two in San Francisco. It is Samson Ebicom. It is it is Nick Bosa and Samson Ebicom. I don't think it's even that close. I don't um, either. I don't even believe Drake Jackson should be in the top four in that rotation right now. In fact, I think you were a really if Drake Jackson ends up being your second your second or third best defensive end this year, it means one of two things: either you just got the steal of the draft, or all the guys you had on this roster 
you were wrong about. You, you were wrong about whether development is and Drake Jackson is that dude. Here's the problem. I've already seen Samson and Beacon play. There's no way. There's no way we're wrong about that. So an elevation of Drake Jackson behind Samson Ebicom is probably good for San Francisco if that ends up happening. That being said, I don't expect it. I expect Kamoko to rake. expect Charles Amenehu. I would say right now I'm a little bit higher on Amenehu than I am on Kamoko. That's only because I've seen Amenehu a little bit in the system, whereas Ture, I'm still waiting to see what it's going to look like. That being said, it's Chris Kaserik, and, and Ture has a plethora of skill sets that make me very excited about what Kaserik and Tap can do with this gentleman. So I think this is what makes this really hard for the interior D linemen. I think a lot of them become expendable because you have Kerry Hyder and Jordan Lewis. And you, you mentioned and brought up Charles Menehu being able to play on the inside. Let's also also forget Samson Ebicom can do the same thing. He can. So you have yeah. a, a plethora of guys there that you're going to be able to move around on that D-line. It makes that interior D-line a little more expendable because you have flexibility on the outside, utility guys on the outside, and they're crafting the D-line almost exactly the same way they craft the offensive line with guys who are skillful and, and set in one position, but also have the utility to play in a variety of different spots to let you craft whatever it is with that front four or five that you want to craft. And it's going to be beautiful no matter what it is. Yeah, I picture Chris Kacerik sitting there as he's drawing these pipe uh, people. And he's like, Bob Ross, there, there. You know, he's he's really enjoying it. And you were bringing up Charles Aminihu, and I think he is going to somewhat be put into that Arden Key role a lot this season, mm -hmm. playing inside, playing outside. You're going to see a lot of versatility. And I think they brought in Teray with the thoughts that he was going to be able to give them what D Ford gave them as far as the speed rush off the outside. Yeah. Both of them playing together could also be very nice. Having Charles Aminihu oh. playing on the inside with Teray on the outside could give the 49ers a lot of cool options, plus stunting. Uh, the, the you know the the DN uh, tackle stunts are going to be good. The T stunts are going to be fantastic to watch. So there's a lot of flexibility there. You're right. He's painting a perfect picture of what he wants to do with this defensive line, and they've given him all the pieces that he needs to go ahead and make some cool things happen. I am interested to see what kind of matchups we get. You know, when Ebucom's inside, is he going to be on the same side as Bosa sometimes? Maybe. Is it always going to be Armstead and Bosa together? Uh, and then they're going to have to slide protect that way because. Heaven forbid you don't, and then those guys are one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, these guys are going to eat your lunch. So I think it's an exciting defensive line, and that's why I'm actually okay with the 49ers. If they decided to keeping 12, I would be okay with it. I like 12. I think that would put a lot of stress <laughs> on, on every other positions. Visit, a lot of positions. But, yes, man, would it be fun rolling in with 12 dudes that are just absolutely savages. Hey, uh, Roger Goodell, look, I know, I know, you know, People give you hard times all the time, but 49ers, the fan base, would be really happy if you just, you know, up the roster to like 56, 57 this year. Just give us like three or four extra spots, uh, and then we can keep 12 or 13 of these D-line, we don't have to let anyone go. Yeah, even 55. We'll, we'll take 55, and we'll just put it all of our stock in D-linemen. Please. Uh, for You know what, what's crazy? What other fan base in the NFL gets this excited about defensive line just, play. Just the 49ers. Yeah, you got everyone else talking about receivers and talking about, all, you know, Their quarterback. quarterbacks and running backs. I mean, Niner fans do that too, but sure. I mean, the real the real fans are just getting into this defensive line. I love it. I love the rugged nature of this D-line. Get after it. I mean, who else knows our defensive line coach's name the way we know Chris Kacerik? Uh This fan base is awesome when it comes to defensive line and, and the coaches. It's fun. Uh, a lot of fun, and A lot of fun. Now let's move from the front four to the back three. Three, specifically the gentleman just behind the linebacking core. Um, a solid group when you look at just the first three names in Fred Warner, Drake Greenlaw, and Aziz Alshire. There were questions about Shire last year. No more questions about Aziz Alshire, especially with this group. And this group is phenomenal in and of itself with just those three names. 
Then you add into the mix Oren Burks, who they brought in in free agency. You have Demetrius Flanagan Fowles, or Foles, however you want to pronounce it. No judging around here. Curtis Robinson, Sagoon Alubi, uh, Jeremiah Gamel, and Marcelli, oh, Marcelano McCrary Ball. You're welcome for probably, hopefully, getting that name right. It's Marcelino. Marcelino. Sorry. Marcelino. My apologies. Yeah. Uh, Don't eat me. (laughs) (laughs) From there, though. And that's a lot of names in this linebacker room. Matter of fact, I don't remember seeing this many names last year for the 49ers in this linebacker room coming into camp. Yeah, I think they do have an extra guy compared to last year. Of course, you know, Jonas Griffith was a part of the group last year. Um, They had some really good football players, but I think they're actually better depth-wise this year than they were last year. Of course, Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, Aziz Alshire are one, two, three in this linebacker room, and I don't even think it's close. And then the fourth guy I put is Oren Burks. Uh, right. They brought him in. They're they're paying him to be a special teamer, and he's a Pro Bowl caliber special teams player. So I think he's the next guy. Elite athletic ability, able to run sideline to sideline. I think they're excited about he, what he can do at the linebacker position even. I think they feel comfortable if Aziz or, or Dre go down that you can put in Oren Burks and he can get it done. And then after that, it has to be Flanagan Fowles, right? Because Flanagan Fowles is a... Uh, a guy that understands what he's doing. Hopefully this isn't the Chicago Flanagan Fowles, but the one that we saw after that. Second half Chicago. Yeah. I mean, and, and on. If you just want to watch just an absolute uh, interesting reaction to Flanagan Fowles, head over to Patreon just to watch that video breakdown. Uh, it's it's probably the most frustrating I've ever been watching film of an NFL player in my life. I've, now, see, I have seen Ant be frustrated on film before. I have, I have seen that. So it wasn't a shock. It was just so funny because it was so unexpected. Yeah. We weren't expecting to go full blown like he needs to he needs to be off the roster <laughs> at halftime, even though we know what happens in the second half. You know it's a win. It was so infuriating. And it was losing it. It was great. Great I was, you know. And and then I think Curtis Robinson after that. I think those are the guys that really have an opportunity to make this roster. Uh, I think Curtis Robinson's the sixth guy. I think they would keep five. That's the first six. The other guys have to do a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, Jeremiah Gamel is, is, is a good football player, but he has a lot of work to do, and he's not built like the other ones with the speed. Uh, Marcelino McCrary Ball is built with the speed. Yes. Just not built with the stature. It's no. only 220 pounds. Yeah. So there's a lot of development that needs to go on with these guys. Gotta get that weight up, Ball. Uh, you gotta get you gotta get that weight up, my guy. Uh, come on, you're, you're you're well. It's you got time. That's the good news. You got some time. Uh, look, I think everything you just said is accurate. I think the three guys you have there is is at the, at the top is phenomenal. Uh, I think the Orenburg signing is obvious. What he is supposed to be what role he is filling. He is the next man up behind the rest of this group. Uh, uh, Demetrius Flanagan Fouls, you can love him, you can hate him. The things he has, special teams is great. And when he is dialed in defensively, and the second half of the Chicago game, the, the second half part of the year when he did go in and play, have to play in spot situations because of the injuries to Fred, uh, injuries to Dre Greenlaw, things like that, he was significantly better after that. So he's continued to improve. You love that about the kid. We'll see about the rest of them. I would say, I would agree with you that Curtis Robinson is that next man up. But here's the real question I have for you with this group. If something were to happen and Fred were to go down and miss time, who is the next guy up stepping in the middle? I think it's Aziz. Uh, Aziz is the one that's got the most time playing the Mike linebacker spot. Then you wouldn't have to move Dre off what he does. Aziz is the guy that makes the calls normally. He's the second guy, you know, with the sticker on his helmet. So I think he's the the natural guy to go in there and, and take over for Fred. Uh, it's not what we want, but I think in that situation, we could feel comfortable that Aziz could handle it. I I would agree with you on this, that this was my my whole thought process was is you don't want to get Trey out of the, his role and the things he does really well, which is being able to come up in the run and tackle, but also being out in, in 
being out in, in space able to cover, you don't want to have to do that. So I was I kept thinking to myself, I wonder if the natural move is Aziz on the interior with Demetrius taking his spot or Oren Burks coming in and taking that spot. Probably ideally Burks. Yeah, I think it's going to be Burks. I think Burks is going to beat out Foles for that fourth linebacker job. He's going to be the first one in. He's a pretty good linebacker, and it really comes down to speed and athleticism. The guy flies. Sideline to sideline, he's going to be impressive. I just feel like he sticks his head in there a little bit more than uh, Flanagan fouls as of right now. Uh, agreed with you. Uh, Ant also, uh, based on watching some film of Oren Burks, comes downhill a little bit faster than Demetrius does as well at times. So, hey, Mr. Flanagan fouls, you got, you got some stuff to prove, but you got a whole training camp in order to do it in some preseason games. So it'll be interesting to see how that rumor plays itself out, Ant, and who ends up slotting in where behind the first three because we know who those are, and that's not changing anytime soon. But now let's shift attention to the cornerback room, and one of the most improved rooms on this defense because they added Charvarius Ward. You have Emmanuel Mosley. You re-signed Jason Verrett. That doesn't include Ombre Thomas, D'Amador Lenore, Dante Johnson, number 27. Shout out John Chapman. Also, Darquez Denard being in that mix as well, a guy that the Niners seem to be really high on, and he's been getting all of the first-team nickel reps at the nickel cornerback spot at the moment. You add in Samuel Womack. You have Kader Holman as well in there that ESPN is very high on. They have him as the third <laughs> cornerback, TCC, the third cornerback behind Charvarius Ward, Diamond Lenore, and then it's Kader Holman, not to mention uh, your gentleman, Quantara's Knight. Yeah, Quantara's Knight is an interesting one, and we'll get to him in a second because I think we right away we can say that as long as Jason Fred's healthy, that Traverius Ward, Emmanuel Mosley, and Jason Fry are the top three guys in the room. Uno dos tres. And then it's figuring out the rest of those guys that's important. Uh, because both those guys play outside, you would think that there's probably room on this football team for one more outside corner, maybe two because of versatility-wise. Ombre Thomas is going to be that guy. I think he's the fourth guy coming in right now. Ombre Thomas is going to be the fourth guy in the depth chart. But five and six is where it gets interesting because if it is Darquez Denard, if Dar Denard is going to start at the nickel corner spot, then that means he has to be the fifth guy on the depth chart as far as, you know, he can play outside and inside. He's one of those guys whose versatility, and that could ultimately affect some of the other players. Samuel Womack's a fifth-round pick. Are they going to want to move off Samuel Womack in year one? Not sure. Diamond Lenore was a fifth-round pick last year. Are they going to want to move off him? I think it makes for some interesting conversation because those guys are there, and all the while, number 27, Dante Johnson is there, and his versatility could help him make this roster again. Now, do I have a, a feeling that even if he's released, he'll still be a part of this organization? Yes, I yes. do. But <laughs> think about this. He's a guy that can not only play corner, but can also play safety. Mm -hmm. So he can play all three of those positions. I think that is a versatility that is so valuable to this roster. That might be his niche to make the team. But boy, is this room going to be interesting because they're going to give up on someone, right? They either are giving up on Diamondo Lenore, giving up on Samuel Womack, or giving up on one of these veteran players. Uh, I just don't know how this room's going to shake out. The only thing I know for sure, those top four guys are pretty secure as long as they stay healthy. If the top four are healthy, Ant, then this, this becomes an absolute bloodbath at the bottom half of this, and it's insane to think about, right? If those four are good, if they're set, they're solid, this becomes something that I, I don't know if... 49ers fans are going to be ready for 
because you're going to have, I mean, this might be end up being the most contentious position battle in all of training camp because of the amount of names, what they have to prove and prove and how little amount of time they actually have to do it. You don't have that fourth preseason game now. So you have one less opportunity that you typically would have in order to make the case and prove the point and show that That's means true. less reps, less chances to go against first team opponents, more showing against second and third team in third team situations and the combinations they're going to put these guys in. And I won't be shocked if we see no Charvarius Ward and no Emmanuel Mosley in the preseason at all, period. Like, they just don't touch him. I don't expect Jason Brett to play in the preseason a, a, a game or a down. I won't be shocked if they just don't have those guys out there because they want to see who those next best are going up against the first stringers for an opponent uh, week in and week out. I think that would be a smart way to go. You know, go ahead and let these young guys do, go out there and get it. I mean, Andre Thomas needs those reps. Yep. You know, Diomo Lenoir has got a lot to prove, even though they were so high on him early on. Do you think we see more of him in the nickel this preseason than we saw all last preseason? I think it all depends on how comfortable they feel with a Samuel Womack, because I think he has Fair. the potential to play nickel, but also the guys we talked about, Darquez Denard, Dante Johnson. I think if they feel that Lenore is in the actual competition to take over that role, they'd rather go with a young player. Agreed. But Darquez Denard's a savvy veteran and a first-round pick that has a lot of ability and maybe has found his niche since being moved inside. He's always been an outside corner. Now he's going inside. Could this actually be the, the spot where he actually needs to be? We've seen the 49ers strike on retreads before in the, in the, in the past. Bringing him in, maybe he is the best option. But you're right. Maybe they're going to find a de defined role for Diamond Lenore on the inside. But who's he going to be competing against on the inside? We've heard him say Samuel Womack could play inside, but he can also play outside. Oh. Uh, I, I think that they're trying to have a lot of versatility there. And, you know, Quantrez Knight just might blow the whole thing up and just steal the show from everybody. He could, man. Look, I, I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to knock anyone off because I don't look at anyone here and think, you know, no chance. I mean, other than Kader Holman, that's only because I don't know that much about Mr. Holman. I haven't seen a lot of his tape. I haven't seen a lot of his film. So I can't sit here and tell you, like, Kader Holman is, is my dark horse candidate. I don't know much about Kader Holman other than his name is Kader Holman, Ann. Yeah, I mean, he played for Green Bay. You know, he's been a part of a lot of the practice squads. He's been moving True. around a lot. True. Uh, but he's definitely got a lot to prove. And, it, I mean, when it comes down to it, we all think Lenore, you know, Samuel Womack, for sure, uh, carry a lot of weight with the 49ers because they drafted mm -hmm. them in the fifth round. I mm -hmm. think they are definitely ahead of Kadar Holman. Uh, and, and Aubrey Thomas is in that same boat. Uh, they're not moving off of Aubrey Thomas no. in any way, shape, or form. Those four, Ward, Mosley, Verrett, Thomas, those four are safe. It really just comes down to everything else. If Verrett's not healthy, then that goes to that pup list, and that frees up a little bit of a spot. And you know what? It's not as much of a bloodbath, Ant, but it's still a bloodbath. It's still going to be a battle because a handful of these guys, whether it's DJ, whether it's Denard, or whether it's a guy like Womack or even a guy like Lenore, are going to be on the chopping block. At least one, potentially two. That is crazy to think because at no point last year would I have thought to myself that DJ and Demo are both in a position where they could not end up back in San Francisco on the active 53-man roster, knowing what we knew about the 49ers, and now that is entirely a possibility. Yeah, I mean, the, the thought process is, right, if Jason Brett starts on Pup, you could probably keep Lenore, and you could probably keep Womack, and then either Darquist Denard or Dante Johnson. Yep. You can keep one of them. Uh, Dante Johnson, we know, can probably get to the practice squad, so he might be what the most... 
he might be the most likely to be released um, for the mere fact you know that he'll he'll end up on the practice squad and the next week they'll elevate him. I wonder and if it's got good. like he's it's just written into his contract, right? <laughs> it like, might be written into his DNA. It, it might be like you know if you get cut within within whatever the allotted time frame is, you are automatically signed back to the 49ers practice squad. I think he does like being a part of the organization. I think he always does know that it's going to end up working out for him, you know, because sure. he's tried other places. He's been to Seattle. He's been to other teams. But he found his way back, and I, I think that they do value what he does, his versatility. I mean, he's come through for them. You know, when they needed him, he's come through for them. And exactly. I know he's gotten a lot of hate, and some of that deserved over time, but last year he played really well for he the did. Niners. But I think he is in the competition, and I do believe his versatility is what makes him a part of that competition. Agreed with you, Ant, because that versatility to play safety, when you have question marks at the safety position, is kind of a big deal. It's yeah. kind of a huge thing, and let's sneakily transition into safeties and because you have Jimmy Ward, you have Tarverius Moore, you have Talano Hufanga, you have George Odom, you have Leon O'Neill Jr. Those are the big, the big names that you have. There's there's one more, correct? Yeah, it's uh, Hawkins. That's right, Taylor Hawkins. Taylor Hawkins. So you have Taylor Hawkins as well, and then potentially Dante Johnson who could potentially flex and play both, but I think the reality is is what we know here, right? Jimmy Ward is is, is your free safety. That's your starter. There. That's safety numero uno that you're locked in and comfortable with. And then it becomes a battle between Odom, Hufanga, Moore. I know a lot of people feel a lot of different ways, and those people are very high on Odom. ESPN is one of them, and they have him as the starting safety opposite of Jimmy Ward. Um, there's some people that love him because of his box play and his ability to come up and make tackles. A lot of 49ers fans very big on Talanoa Hufanga. I know that John Chapman very big on Talanoa Hufanga. And and then there's some people who think that maybe Tavares Moore can sneak in and do some things. There's even there are even people out there, Ant, who are big Leon O'Neal Jr. stands. They wanted the Niners to draft this guy, get him as an undrafted free agent, and so they think he's going to steal the show this year. There is a lot of questions with safety too, but there's not a lot of questions with Jimmy Ward, who is absolutely phenomenal in this system. Uh, whether it was with Robert Sala or whether it was with D'Amico Ryans. Yeah, I think as far as figuring out the depth chart, you start with Jimmy Ward. He's the number one safety on this team. And then I think after that, it has to be Tatnoa Hufanga, who's number two. Uh, I think Hufanga's number two for the mere reason he's taking all the first team reps. Yep. You know, the way that they're talking about him, and he played 41% of the snaps, which means he played more NFL football than every other safety that's on this list. I think he's number two. And then when it gets a little dicey, is three and four. I think it's Tarverius Moore and George Odom, however you want to put it. I do think Odom is more of a secure bet to make this roster because of his special teams and what he's going to add, the amount of money that they gave him to do that. And I do think they're going to value him as a, a veteran safety that can add a lot of depth to this team. Is he going to be able to compete for the starting job? Sure he will. I think they're going to let everyone compete. But I do see him as a veteran backup for this roster. So I think you have those four guys. And then everyone talks about Leon O'Neal being you know, a guy that can make this roster. I don't see him making this roster. Maybe I'll be proved wrong in training camp and he'll go get it done. But I'm not even sure he's better than my guy Taylor Hawkins. So uh, Taylor Hawkins not even good enough to make ESPN's depth chart but good enough in my book to get a star player. So I like Taylor Hawkins, and I'm curious what he does when he gets out there. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what uh, Hawkins adds to this room. Uh, look, the reality is is I, I believe the Niners are keeping four safeties, yep. I would think. Um, I don't think they would keep three if this was a year where you had a, a Marcel Harris still on this roster at the linebacker spot, then maybe you could get away with keeping a third. But because you don't necessarily have that, I think the, I, the reality is you're probably going with four. It's most likely Ward. It's most likely Hufanga, Moore, and Odom. Those are your four right now. And, uh, you know, Leon O'Neill Jr. and Taylor Hawkins have a little bit of work cut out for him. But 
it's not improbable Tarverius Moore is coming off of an Achilles. So it's not like we're going to potentially see the best version of Tarverius Moore. You might not. Uh, and if you're not seeing the best version of him, Anthony, that door is wide open. Yeah, and they're one injury away, right? Yep. With keeping four on the on the depth chart, uh, you're one spot away, one injury away, one little hiccup from you being out there. So you got to go out there and compete. And, you know, it just came out that Adrian Colbert is was said he was so close to signing with the 49ers it didn't work out. So Colbert is still out there available at some point. You know, maybe the 49ers take a look if the other guys aren't working out. But I do think they're happy with the six guys they have currently signed. And you're right. Those are the four guys that are on top. And if those four guys stay healthy, those four guys are going to be on this roster. And I think it's a deep room. Uh, just there's still questions about the guy opposite of Jimmy Ward. Just can he play at the highest level? And if Tauno Hufanga, Tarverius Moore, or George Odom prove to be able to play at a Jaquiski Tart level, uh, this defense is going to be pretty, pretty darn difficult to score on. Well, and not to mention it, you have the improvements on the on the on the well, you're hoping you're gonna have improvements at your linebacker room just just from the mere fact of health, right? Having all three guys out there and healthy, that makes things a little bit easier on your safeties. You have the improvement already at the cornerback spot in terms of depth and talent at the top end of your cornerback room. So that's going to make life easier if you're a safety. And uh, you have the continual uh, dominance that is your front four. So you don't have to be perfect. You just got to be able to play within your role and know what your responsibility is, right? Know your role and shut your dang mouth, whoever it is that's the opposite <laughs> safety to Jimmy Roll. Just do your job. If you do your job, this defense will have success. It's not, it's not an impossibility and improbability. I think Talano Hufanga is, is the one right now who has the he heads up, right? He's got the inside track. He's at the edge, as it may be. Uh, a guy, he's a guy who was drafted. He's a guy that D'Amico Ryan's put a lot of trust into last year, and he's going to try and reward that and let give him an opportunity to step up and fill that Chiquisky Tart role this year. Yeah, and I mean, the fact that he still has three years left on his contract is a guy Glorious. that they know he could be a long-term solution there. <laughs> so I do think that they would like it to be him. Uh, they would rather be him than a, a more that's on the last year of his contract. But if more goes out there and plays better than Hufanga, they will have no problems putting more in that role because they want the best possible player they can have playing out there. And it could always be what we've talked about before, Alex, that it's a combination of both uh, the same way they had Tart and Hufanga play together last year, you know, so splitting snaps at some points, you could do the same thing with more and Hufanga and use their skill sets to the best of your abilities. But cutback crew, let us know what you think down below in the comment section right now. What does the 49ers depth chart look like? Did we get it just dead wrong? Top to bottom. We should have gone with what ESPN said that D Ford is starting. Uh, should we have given Kevin, Adkins a little more love on the interior <laughs> line, and we didn't even bring him up when we were talking about him. Could Calias Davis be healthy, show up, and shine, or are we going to see a pup list out of him? TCC, let us know what you think this depth chart will look like and how deep it is at each position down below in the comment section. And then don't forget to like, subscribe if you haven't already, and hit that notification bell. And if you do think it should look like what ESPN had, just realize that they didn't even have Charles and Minihue listed on the depth chart. Uh, so ESPN's got some work to do as far as their depth chart and understanding what the 49ers fire that intern. Yeah, are good at. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, not exactly the intern from Radio Shack. I don't know no. if anyone's caught that Twitter, but that's interesting. <laughs> uh, but anyways, I, I do think that there's a lot of fun conversations that go on with this, you know, starting group for the Niners, but also the depth, you know, how many positions are available and. I think this is going to be something that's going to be fun to watch as we get into training camp. These battles are real. So if you haven't been watching our training camp battle videos, go check them out. You know, you can really get really get into all of it. And we're putting them out. There's some good matchups and there's some good conversations to be had. Join the conversation. Agreed. Join the conversation on Mosley v. Verrett. Join the conversation and on Maurice Hurst v. Kevin Givens. We want to hear your opinions. We want to see what the depth chart looks like. And we want to know how you feel about it. Cut back in the faithful. And until the next one, stay safe. Remember the right way is always the 49ers way.